to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Let's get right into it here. First of all, this particular episode, of course, is going to be centered around a lot of education stuff um, and slight jab mask wearing stuff as well. And then my plan is that again, later today on Wednesday, I plan on having a conversation with Damien again from Canada. And hopefully Stacy as well. We'll see both of them, one of them. Either way, they're going to give us some updates as to what's going on there. And so basically, there's going to be two episodes on Wednesday. So I don't know how long this particular episode is going to last, and I'm not sure how long the conversation with Damien's going to last. But either way, um, he's got free reign to talk as much as he wants. And I just wanted to make sure that everybody knows that I'm going to basically just put out both of these episodes on the exact same day at the same time. Or not at the same time, really, but clearly, uh, once Damien and I are done, I'm going to immediately upload that episode. So, with that said, let me get into a few things here. First of all, I had a great time uh, meeting with some local patriots where I live, and we're formulating some plans, which we're going to carry through. I'm not going to get descriptive on this podcast as to what exactly we're doing regarding local issues because again as you might expect you never know who's listening. So here's what I can tell you. I recommend that everybody check out bondsforthewind.com and you go right through that website and you read every single tab and every single document and every single template that they have. And everything will slowly start to make sense over the course of time. If individuals read those documents it can make something that looks gigantic and overwhelming, and it'll eventually look very, very small and, and manageable and easily easy to understand, essentially. Um, there is a, a, an overwhelming theme that exists here, and that is, again, that almost everybody has who holds any kind of public position or elected position, in particular sheriffs of counties, that they too are bonded. And they have a good faith and honesty policy that is associated usually with their insurance bond. If they're not doing what they're obligated to do as far as their oath is concerned, then they have to vacate the office. It's that simple. Now, of course, they'll dig their heels in, and we know that you know there would be a fight with anything like that, regardless of where an individual lives in the United States. But all of these officials are bonded. School board members, treasurers of school boards, sheriffs, mayors, city council members, you name it. If you learn to go after their bonds and file against their bonds for the state codes that they're breaking, and I'm just trying to make this as simple as possible here, that they have to vacate office because they're not doing what they're contractually obligated to do as far as what their oath says they have to do. I'm going to give you one quick example here. It's even a picture and a perfect snapshot of what it is that I'm talking about. This comes from the Gateway Pundit, and it's titled, Illinois Democrat Governor Pritzker indicates he has no plans to end mask mandates, and he says masks are about doing what's right, quote-unquote. Now, he's not wearing a mask in this photograph. And there are two police officers behind him wearing masks. We, we're way past the mask issue here. We know that the masks violate human rights, health rights, individual rights, you name it. 
you cannot deprive a human being of oxygen. Having said that, the picture here on this article is, is quintessential because it's showing that these officers behind Pritzker are not following their oaths of office. And it's evident that they don't know what that is. They can raise their right hand, say whatever they want for their oath, but it doesn't matter because, unfortunately, they're not following it right now. They should arrest him immediately. They should take their masks off. And as I've said in the past, any sheriff or law enforcement officer who, and again, I, I wrote about this in the Substack article, the, the, the last one that I wrote in part four, where in the first few paragraphs I say again, you know, this is the perfect crime. You're talking about sheriffs that don't know that these jabs are a biological weapon. They've probably injected themselves with it. And now you're asking that individual to go and gather up all of the evidence, which again is all the vials and containers of the jab juice, investigate, review documentation, and then halt the injections of all of them inside an entire county, which is every single health facility, business, you name it. The question is, again, would they, would they do that? But if you were to translate this into some kind of another crime, Again, say, for example, an individual was poisoning people with cookies. And these cookies were being sold in lots of different places. And somebody brought cookies to the sheriff's department and said, look, here's the box of cookies. It looks like this. These cookies are killing people. Here's the documentation that shows that millions of people have died from these cookies. Here's the, also the documentation that shows that the reporting avenues that exist, where people are supposed to be reporting, on the ill effects of these cookies is not being managed properly. So at the very least, your oath says that you have to protect and serve. So you need to protect the people by going to all of these avenues and stopping the dissemination or sale, or these cookies are free. So make sure that Individuals aren't receiving any of these cookies and that these cookies aren't being dealt out to anyone. They have to do that. Now, if it was cookies, they'd probably go do it. But because it's a shot that's made its way, of course, all around the world and it's on television on a nightly basis, it's going to be very difficult for them to personally understand the depth of this evil. They, I mean, they're probably just not going to get it. With all of that said, that doesn't matter. Their level of understanding is irrelevant. They still have an oath that they have to uphold. And if they aren't, then they have to leave office. And then we, the people, oddly enough, get to be in charge. I mean, I'm all for citizens' arrests in certain cases. We have to, I mean, there has to reach a particular point where something like that happens. But that also requires only awake people understanding what's going on and being able to educate themselves on these kinds of issues and the depth of the psychological manipulation that's taken place. Because again, I'm, I'm still staring at this picture of Governor Pritzker saying what he's saying with these two cops behind him. And I'm saying to myself, guys, these cops need to arrest him. This is against the law. They're, they're, I mean, an Illinois judge even said there can be no masks because they're harmful. Pritzker's defying a judge now and an order that came down from a judge. 
So he's a criminal. He's violated his oath of office. Somebody should go after his bond, and he needs to then vacate office. And that's how this works. So I'm just going to read a couple of things here from this particular article. Um, it says, Judge Rayland Grish Grishow granted temporary restraining orders in two lawsuits on Friday. One is for the student case regarding masks and quarantines in schools, and the other is for school employees, including teachers, regarding the requirement to either get the COVID vaccine or submit to weekly testing. In nearly 170 school districts, the students and staff named as plaintiffs in the suits will not have to follow those mandates. Grishow declined to certify the lawsuits as a class action, which means that the temporary restraining order will not extend to anyone named as a plaintiff. During the unrelated press conference on Monday, Pritzker urged the schools not named as defendants in the lawsuits to continue to follow the guidance issued by the Illinois Department of Health, public health rather, and the United States Centers for Disease Control. Again, here's the problem. The Illinois Department of Public Health and the U.S. Centers for Disease Control are not lawmaking bodies. They do not supersede the Constitution of the United States under any circumstance. That's why they use the word recommend. A recommendation is just that. And all a person has to say, this even dates way back to when um, one of the first times I had Dr. Robin McCutcheon on the podcast, she openly said, you know, when she teaches at Marshall University, she, she declines to participate. I choose to not participate. She never wears a mask. She doesn't have to. They can have mask mandates from here to Timbuktu at a university. They can't kick you out because you, because you aren't wearing a mask. That's, and and th this leads me to my next point. One of the things, in fact, I'm just going to play this very quickly. And this is just the audio of, of Pritzker talking. So give this a quick listen, and then I'll jump in on the, on the back end, and I'll describe again sort of this giant trend that we're starting to see within K-12 schools and how it's certainly a step in the right direction, but they've got to, these students have got to take this further. That's going to be something we're going to have to consider all the way along here, even when if we remove uh, the requirement that people wear masks in various settings, there may come a time in the future when we would want people to put their masks back on. Uh, that's why we're fighting this case and appealing this case. So this is going to be the never-ending carrot for countless individuals and countless politicians, where we're going to take it off, but we reserve the right to put it back on. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't reserve the right or have the right to ever put it on in the first place. And they know this. Many of them know this. They know that they can't enforce it. If they can't enforce it, really, and they don't have to, so again, the legal word mandate means voluntary participation. At no point did anyone ever have to wear one. But again, it's just the never-ending dangling carrot over people. Continue to chomp at it. No, by the way, we'll give you a little bite, but you know we'll take it away eventually just to keep you moving in the direction that we want you to move in because we're in control and you're not. Mass noncompliance is the only way forward here, which again leads me to this now. We're watching countless examples of individuals, even in Illinois, even in, in his corrupt state. Countless individuals and countless students deciding to show up maskless in school, 
They're immediately quarantined, quote-unquote, in the gymnasium at the beginning of the day. The psycho-crazy teacher's running around with her masks on, going, Oh, God, you know, we, we, we got to get them in there. We got to put on our rubber gloves before we touch them and get them in there and lock them in and blah, blah, blah. And they're doing all of this. And then they're just flat out getting resource officers involved. And they're saying, you have to leave. Or you have to wear a mask and go back to class or whatever, but you can't be here maskless. It's absolute lunacy, and it's been around now for way too long. Way too long. Now, again, fortunately, we have these students doing what they're doing, which, again, is fine. If that's a step in the right direction to make them, make them more mad, to expose what these school officials are willing to do to them when they stand up for their own individual rights. If that wakes up more people, a little bit at a time, that's great. The problem is, is that in this fight, in an attempt to try to save other people, they're sacrificing themselves in the process. Because all of these individuals, for the most part, in these schools that are doing this are middle school and high school students. And they are, by and large, literate. They can read. Most of them, I'm certain, can. Which again means they've got to they've got to train retrain their brain into understanding that they can teach themselves at any time. And I'm going to give you a very quick example here. And this is something that I recommend for parents too, who are struggling with the decision of whether or not to continuously send children into these abusive environments that are going to keep abusing them. Again, whether the masks come on or they come off, whether the the distancing and, and testing is in place or not. They're almost contractually obligated to implement these, these procedures now because they've bought the tests, they've bought the masks, and if they don't use them, then they're, then they're openly wasting their own money, and they don't want to be seen as doing that so blatantly. Some of them, again, don't care. Some of these school officials don't care about that, but um, it, it would it would be beyond obvious that they're wasting all of this money because they're purchasing all these faulty tests, which again are poisonous. And I've played that audio in the past. And and again the same thing with the mask wearing. Here's the example: when you want to teach a child to brush their teeth, you have to teach them by showing them. You have to you have to sit down with them and you say, "Okay, we're going to learn this together." You're being facetious with them to some extent because you already know how to do it but you're saying okay you know we're going to I'm going to show you how to do this and you stand at the sink they have their booster thing where they're standing on top of something they're looking in the mirror just like you are and then you run through the process on how to brush their teeth the purpose of that is so that you don't have to show them how to brush their teeth anymore and so that they'll start brushing their teeth not only on their own, but without being asked to do it. And then what happens when they're an adult? They just brush their teeth on their own routinely because that's the thing to do. And that's it. Learning is no different. Teaching someone to individually learn on a constant basis by themselves, learning how to really use the internet, how to really use it, not get on YouTube and, and, and watch teenagers jump into a bathtub full of Fruit Loops. That's not it. That, that's, that's for the dummies. Let the dummies watch those videos. There's a, there's, a, there's a level of searching that can take place, exploration. These are things that, 
that, that are not being done on a consistent basis, nor are they done at all within these K-12 environments. They don't allow for exploration. You can't even get on YouTube, let alone BitChute, which is where the real truth is. It's on BitChute, not, not YouTube. But you get on these platforms, and you, and you can't use their own technology, the school's own technology, to access these platforms. I mean, I work for a school district, again, that shut down YouTube. Think about that. Why would you do that? Why would you shut down YouTube? And this was way before YouTube's algorithm where they immediately started deleting truth videos and videos telling the actual truth. They were just, they were just deleting YouTube because they thought, well, it's, it's just a playground for teenagers to do degenerate shit and blah, blah, blah. That's not, you know, some of that happens without a doubt. But even back then, 10 plus years ago, there, were, there was legit information on YouTube and a lot of truth. But schools don't want that which means they really don't want learning. They want control. That's all they're interested in, is control. So a parent and any parent has got to make this leap because not only are we at war here, and this is the greatest war that we've ever faced, but they've got to take their children out of these environments because, again, it's the enemy environment. The K-12 environment and the university environment is the enemy environment. So again, when it comes to the business of, of these students walking out, I think it's a great thing. I think it's Stockholm Syndrome that they're going back, and that's a serious problem. I mean, again, they're unlawfully suspending them because, they're not, because they want to breathe freely. Let that sink in for a minute and how, and how crazy that sounds. Getting police officers involved equally is insane, and of course, that means that the police officer who is doing it isn't following their own oath. They're breaking the law then, because masks aren't law. It would be no different, again, than, well, there are a thousand examples I could bring up that are just ridiculous. The overarching point here is this, and I've said it a million times, and I'm going to beat this dead horse into the ground. The homeschooling family is laughing because their elementary or middle school or high school child is watching all of this take place and they're saying, Mommy, Daddy, why don't they just do what I'm doing? Why, oh, why don't they just do what, what we're doing here? I do this on my own all of the time. Why can't they? The parent is looking at the homeschooling child and saying, because they're stuck in the matrix. They're stuck in a particular pattern of thinking and behaving. And they don't understand that they can get out of it any time they want. They can get out of it. And as I've said in the past too, every piece of research that's ever been written about how people learn and all of, these, all of this paperwork that exists, 504s and IEPs and everything regarding uh, disability accommodations and XYZ and speech therapy and blah, 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 all of that is now gone. They've all violated. All of those laws, they've all been broken. If you go back to 2019 and someone was putting a mask on a special education student who had learning disabilities, that special education teacher would be fired. The special education liaison who allowed it to happen would be fired. They would probably even be criminally charged. If an administrator was allowing it to happen, they would be fired. Now it's normalized. Now, if you don't do it, you get kicked out. See, they don't care about the law. 
They don't care about facts. They are blind and they're double jabbed. So their cognitive ability is going to decline rapidly over the course of the next of the months and years to come. These are not sound-minded people. But I'm glad that students are at least standing up now and this is becoming a bit of an internet trend. The problem is is they've got to stop going back into the same environment that was abusing them in the first place. Mask or no mask. The only way to make these criminal organizations crumble to the ground is to leave permanently. Remember, there's a there's a price tag on your child's ear like a like a piece of meat, like their cattle. If they don't go, then the school doesn't get that money. They don't get your child because, again, they don't get to send them straight to the slaughterhouse and consistently get that cash. Not to mention, again, and this has been shown in some of these student videos, the one kid from uh, Washington State, he said it perfectly. Every single day, they have to send their attendance records up the ladder to the district office, and then the district has to send it to the state. He's 100% right. If students stop showing up, everything changes. But not everything, because the corrupt teachers are still there. The angry brainwashed teachers and jab teachers are still there. The administration is still there. Yeah, they might change a rule or take off a mask mandate or blah, blah, blah. Never had to wear them in the first place, but anyway. You're, you're, you're not really changing the environment for the better. It's too far gone. That's all. It's too far gone. They cannot be fixed. Too much has been revealed here in this apocalypse. It's the apocalypse. Too much has been revealed here. And to ignore it, again, is to ignore the living apocalypse. That's a big deal. That takes a lot of, takes a lot of effort to ignore what's going on here. Which again leads me to this next article, which is equally as disturbing. Um, this is a school board member out of Los Angeles. And I want to read just a piece of this, but then I want to read his, his re-election promotional flyer that he's sending out to people. And of course, it's going in people's mailboxes and XYZ. And again, you know, these pasty goons, I got to tell you, you know, you can just see them a mile away. And they're just soft, liberal nobodies. Um, Nick Malevian, if that's his name, he says, I'm excited to announce my re-election campaign and I hope you'll join me as we continue to fight for the children of Los Angeles. I ran for the LA schools four years ago. It was on the radical premise that we should put kids first. He says, kids. You've heard me say this a thousand times too. If, if, if one of these individuals says kids and not students, They've been brainwashed into believing that they are solely responsible for raising and teaching them what they want to raise and teach them to be, which is, again, a child of government. That's why government officials use the word kids. They should use the word students. It's just like an individual who has any kind of a business where, where there's an exchange of money on a regular basis. They call them clients. That's 100% fine. Yes, they're a client. And then they stop being a client. These are students. They either go here and they are one of your students, or they don't go there and they're not your student, but they are never your kid. So I want to read what this, what, what this guy says with his, <laughs> it's just horrible, with his campaign flyer here. 
And he's got A pluses all the way down again to get people's attention. And there's a couple of pictures of him clapping and wearing masks and being a stupid little goon and whatever else. Okay, so the first the the first swath of information at the top, it says in bold print, reducing class size. It says I'm probably pronouncing his last name incorrectly, so I'm just going to say Nick because that's his first name. Uh, Nick is a former classroom teacher. That's why, as a school board member, he prioritizes students and families in all district decisions. Well, you can't do that. You can't prioritize students and families in all district decisions. That's impossible. So I'm assuming he's a classroom teacher. The first line is accurate. The second line is a lie. You can't actually satisfy everybody when you hold one of these positions. It's impossible. He then says, Nick, it says, uh, Nick worked to reduce LAUSD class size, provided free devices and internet access to every student in LAUSD, and hired thousands of social workers, nurses, and specialists to help meet all student needs. This guy's big government, clearly. It's not the responsibility of social workers, nurses, and to get more government help. Unfortunately, for a lot of these parents, they do believe that government is the only thing that can help them. So they love government help. And when someone shows up and says, oh, I'm from the government, I'm here to help, they actually say, thank you, thank you, thank you. And it's pathetic. Uh, uh, The reducing class size thing. This is his overarching, again, first main point. Reducing class size is is an old yarn, a, a, a rusty saw in the world's smallest violin, all wrapped into one. It's propaganda, and it's not an accident that he put it first at the very top here. Teachers who complain, I've said this before too, teachers who complain about class size are complaining about doing their job and complaining about having students in their classroom. Complaining about the number of students in your classroom is akin to a business owner saying, we have too much business. It's ridiculous. Your job as a school teacher, which again, it's not a job anymore. It's, it's, a, it's a position for slavery to a large extent at this point, because the die has been cast here. But they're complaining about, ha- again, having to do their job because they view that a certain number of students is just unmanageable. That's a figment of their own imagination, and it's a limit of their intelligence when they say such a thing. I have taught classrooms at the middle school and high school level that had 47 students in it, and I loved it. I loved it. Again, I've taught classes with 47, 48 students. I've taught classes with six students in it, just six. They're both great, and everything in between is equally as great. So this class size nonsense is ridiculous because what they're ultimately attempting to do is hire more teachers, and hiring more teachers is the only way that you can reduce class size. You only have so many classrooms, which means what? You have to build a new building to have more classrooms. And who pays for that new school building? The taxpayer. See the insidious slope that that takes? You can't reduce class size really. You just teach based on the demographics that exist within a particular society or a particular community or area. I use the word community. My apologies. 
But you get what I'm saying. It's, it's a giant propaganda line. It's not an accident. He used it first. The second section, it says, keeping kids safe at school. And again, he ends all of these with A+. This guy's a loser. It says, quote, in the early days of the pandemic, never has been one, Nick helped improve the quality of online learning and pushed to reopen classrooms as safely and quickly as possible. Thanks to his work, the district provided early in-person childcare for high-need students and ensured priority access to vaccines for teachers and school staff. Translation, Nick is responsible for the death of countless individuals by pushing a biological weapon on endless human beings. That's it. That's that entire second section. A plus, Nick. Way to go. The next section, fighting for all kids. And he says kids again because, again, he wants to be the father of said kids. It's disgusting. Um, I don't know what this guy's proclivity is, but I could take a guess. It says Nick is committed to protecting the most vulnerable students. That's creepy as hell. He says he directed more resources and dollars to underserved students who need them most, created a, a, it created rather a historic college savings account program, and took steps to close the digital divide, including providing internet access to all students. I don't know how Nick does that. Does Nick walk around with a wireless port strapped to his back and then walks into people's homes? I understand that some people don't have internet access that can, that can access a computer. They have smartphones. They have smartphones at the yin-yang. But the business of, again, having internet access in a home, if they have cable TV, they can have internet access, and most of that's bundled. So, so again, I understand that there are poor students and poor families. I fully get it. But the responsibility of the teacher is to not assign something to everybody if everybody can't do it. Remember reading and writing, ladies and gentlemen? Do you remember that? Do you remember reading a book, a real book, like a nonfiction book, and, and taking it home and, heaven forbid, going to a library and actually taking the initiative to learn on your own instead of having government bring everything to you? I mean, I remember that. Those days used to exist, and we'd actually open up a book and read a little bit and then write a little bit and write a little bit about what we read. Crazy how that works. But they're making it next to impossible to even do the most basic things now. The next box, it says this, new leadership and new vision, A+. Wow, this guy's impossible. In order to create a world-class city, Nick knows that we need to ensure all students have access to a world-class education. Whoever wrote that line should be shot. He's a politician. This dude's a politician, period. Nick spearheaded the effort to hire award-winning, nationally renowned educator Alberto Cal... I got nothing on that last name. As the new su uh, school superintendent, a move that LA Times editorial board called transformative and, quote, just what LA schools need. LA schools are the pits of education. They're the worst. And again, this is what happens when you hire criminals and you hire just very questionable people. Two of these pictures, I might add, that he has on, on this slide here, one of them is with the mayor of L.A. 
and the other one is with this Alberto guy, nationally renowned educator. There's no such thing. No one is a nationally renowned renowned educator. Um, that's not a title anybody uses. That's like the word expert. It's absurd. The next <laughs> the next section. Bear with me here. There's only two more. Uh, championing innovation in education. There we go. There's the word innovation again. Nick knows that we have to tailor solutions to individual students in schools. You can't do that. The environment doesn't set up for that at all. It says that's why he expanded preschool across the district, championed innovation by supporting pilot schools, approved new magnets and community schools, and expanded dual language immersion offerings in board district four. Here's the thing with the preschool and these magnet schools. It's designed again for government to take your child from womb to tomb. That's the entire process. There is no proof that preschool does anything other than socialize them to the machine. That's it. It socializes them to how the machine operates. No proof that it improves literacy because it does not. No proof that it improves any academic skill whatsoever because it does not. It's daycare. It's government daycare. And here's the last one. It says increasing transparency and accountability. You got to hand it to this leftist. He's using every single word in, in the leftist dictionary. Every single one. Innovation, vision, leadership, transparency, accountability. Nick is focused on making the district more transparent and accountable. Anytime a human being says that, ladies and gentlemen, they have something to hide. They're lying to you, and they have something to hide. It says, quote, he successfully implemented an open data portal to increase transparency with publicly accessible data about the district's budget, academics, enrollment, and more. And he worked to reduce the district's structural deficit by over $6 billion with common ground solutions. Ridiculous. Open access information to school data is problematic for a variety of reasons, one of which is cybersecurity. If students' information is widely available, child traffickers know that the easiest child to prey on is the one who is a poor student. Poor academically, poor financially, they have their address, they know where they live. They know exactly who to go for, because that's the kind of student that can easily be manipulated. In some cases, all of this happens. And as I alluded to in a previous episode, when I was talking with the IT director, former IT director in Ohio, clear lines can be drawn here between departments of education and child trafficking. In every state, there's no way that you can have that much government and not have a pedophile somewhere operating for the purpose of, again, grooming children, releasing their information to the public, again, whether, whether it be their attendance record, their grades, what have you. And then, of course, we know the role that social workers even play in this process in identifying particular students. And then criminals get their eyes on them. CPS gets involved. It's a slippery slope that should give everybody the willies because it really just is creepy beyond belief. 
And I'm just telling you, again, his slogan is, a teacher who puts kids first. This is disgusting to me. It's absolutely disgusting. But this is the normalization of this kind of language, these kinds of people, within these kinds of environments. They can't be fixed. They can't be fixed. And there has to be a clear divide in society now between the moral and immoral, the, the awake and the asleep, the unbrainwashed and the brainwashed. And that divide line has got to be the difference between those that are sending their children to these environments and those that are not. That has to be the dividing line here. So I hope Nick loses. I think the odds of getting a conservative in are slim and none in Los Angeles County. Probably not going to happen. And of course, in the article, they spend the majority of the time talking about how there's a picture of him holding up a book for uninterested students who were told to stand there for a photo op while they're all wearing masks and he's not. I'm actually shocked that this activity even exists in today's day and age, where, uh, where an alleged teacher would be sitting down with a book, opening it up and having students sit around and look at it while the teacher is reading out of said book. It seems ridiculous to me. Shouldn't the students have their own book in their own hands? And shouldn't they, I mean, shouldn't they be reading and looking at the book and following along, following along themselves as an individual? No. I mean, they should be doing that, but this old activity of, you know, stand around and look at the teacher, flip through pages as the teacher reads out loud, it's pathetic. Uh, I just think it's disgusting. So anyway, there's that. Uh, here's the last thing I wanted to mention, and it's this. This comes from the Washington Examiner. Quintessential overbroad theme here on, on, on a, again, a lot of this episode and, and most of this episode. And it's titled the following from Jeremy Poff, education reporter, he, he, he says. Again, this shouldn't shock anybody. Uh, it's titled 77% of students at Baltimore High School reading at elementary levels, teacher says. No kidding. It says, quote, over three quarters of a Baltimore high school students are reading at an elementary level, a teacher at the school says. The last available edition of the nation's report card re uh, released in 2019 prior to the pandemic showed that only 37% of grade 12 students could be considered proficient readers according to the Department of Education standards. Now a teacher at Patterson High School in Baltimore has informed the local news outlet that 77% of students there, were reading at an elementary or even kindergarten level, indicating that the nation may see a precipitous drop in the reports for 2020 and 2021. What were they expecting? I mean, what were they actually expecting? Now, let's ask ourselves one simple question here. Why would that be? Why is it that these individuals, these students, alleged students, in particular, in a very tough environment, so to speak. And when I say tough, I don't mean they're actually strong or tough. I mean, it's an unfortunate, poor environment. But why is it that they're reading at such a low level? Is it because they, is it because they're, they can't read? No, that's not it. They can read. They're choosing not to. Because they're listening to things, they're listening to music, or they're listening to a podcast, maybe, or they're listening to whatever they're listening to. But that takes up time, which means they're not actually reading a book.
So it's a time management thing. That's number one. That's my first point. The second thing, and I've harped on this on a, on a regular basis consistently, and I know that was redundant. My apologies. But these schools never allow for m- massive quantities of nonfiction books to enter their libraries. It really is the librarians that are at fault here. But the librarians, you even have to understand, are controlled to some extent. There's only so many books that they can have in a library, and the certain kinds of books that they have in these libraries vary. But what you'll never see is a book titled The New World Order. You'll never come across that book in a high school library. Why not? Because the amount of books that exist within a library, again, they, they work off of a database. They work off of a giant list of books. Well, do you have this one in your library? We suggest you get it. Take some of your funds that you're given from your district and buy this book. But you're never going to cr- come across those kinds of books. You're never going to come across, for example, you're never going to come across this book. And I just, I just ordered this one, and I'm, I'm sludging through it, and it's, it's mind-boggling and, and heartbreaking. And I wanted to thank the individual on Gab who pointed, uh, who pointed this out to me, um, a lovely Canadian. They know who they are. The book is titled Murder by Decree, The Crime of Genocide in Canada. And the book is written by Kevin Annette, and it's about from the years of 1866 all the way through the 1990s, how the indigenous schools in Canada were purposely designed to essentially kidnap, brainwash, and murder the children who attended those schools. Over 66,000 students died in these schools. They were murdered. They were starved, beaten, sexually assaulted, sold into slavery, sexual slavery, you name it. Are you going to find that book? Are you going to find this giant textbook of of factual information in a K-12 library? No. Why? Because it has everything to do with the limit of the brain capacity of a librarian and the people that run these schools. You're not going to find the truth. And one of the reasons, again, that this is the apocalypse is because what we're all experiencing now, for those of us that have been through the entire school program, and some of us have been former educators in XYZ, we're having to unlearn everything that we've learned. I'm 40 years old, and every day I'm still unlearning what it, what it is that I, that I learned, or I should say what was thrown down my throat, whether I wanted it or not. And this is, this is the problem. This is the complete disruption that has to take place throughout society we have to stop we have to stop the brainwashing that goes on in these environments but the fastest way to do that is to pull pull your child out and people again they these politicians they consistently harp on the nonsense of the school to prison pipeline well the school's the problem because the school is the prison it's a physical prison and it's a mental one as well You don't want them to go to prison when they're adults? Stop making the quote-unquote learning environment a prison. I just watched another video that I put out on Gab. Two masked girls. One girl is sitting at her desk. Recent video. Sitting at her desk, reading a book or something. 
Girl walks up behind her. The girl sitting down turns around. Again, everybody's wearing a mask. Thank God for the mask. And the girl beats this girl in the head until she is unconscious. She knocks her out completely and keeps wailing on her. And there's not a single teacher anywhere. You can hear the teacher's voice in the background. Please stop. Please cut it out. Can somebody please just, somebody go get some help. I'd have tackled that girl to the ground if I was a school teacher. And mark my words, and I mean this when I say it. When I taught school, I never saw a physical fight. A physical fight never took place in front of me, not once, in nine years of being a school teacher. That wasn't an accident because God knows what I would have done. He is well aware of what I would have done in that situation. If I'd have seen somebody beating on someone, I'd have tackled the person who was doing the beating and they'd have gotten one themselves. So I was spared to some extent. But if you think about it, if I was in that situation or anybody is, what are you really doing? What you're really doing is saving a life. You're saving someone's life. And here's the connection to literacy. The same can be done with literacy. You can save a person's life by having them read nonfiction, only nonfiction, all of the time. Teach them about the world they live in. Teach them about why they live where they live, why they have the situation they have. And see, instead of teaching them the truth, which they're not going to do, their excuse for that is, is that the only thing that they teach them is that white people are racist and the reason you're poor and here is because of white people. And that's, that's what they tell them. And they tell them this and they tell them this and then they believe it. And then they read or are told to read some stupid poem from somebody about something that's not real. And, and how do they relate to that? They don't. But if you were to give them a book like this about abuse within a school that happened with indigenous Canadians, they're going to recognize that they're not alone. And then you give them another book about, again, factual information about who controls the world. Again, it's an, it's an old point that's been brought up a million times. Ever wonder why they don't teach you about the law in school? Because they don't want you to know about the law. Ever understand why they don't teach you about money management in school? Because they don't want you to learn how to manage money. How about starting your own business? They don't want you to do that either. They want you to be a slave. Books like this have been written. These books exist that expose all of this. Why isn't that book finding its way into a K-12 library? Again, it has to do with the lack of mental capacity among the people who are in charge. They don't want those books to be in their libraries. And if a school teacher, heaven forbid, brought one of those books into a classroom, purchased 30-plus copies, one for every student, and you read it on a day-in and day-out basis, and even, heaven forbid, had the student actually take the book home, read it at home, and then bring it back? Amazing. Absolutely amazing that something like that would even happen. I'm laying the sarcasm on thick here, but I mean, it's ser I'm serious. This is the kind of thing that, that could happen, but it doesn't, because even those teachers know that they get fired. So, again, the, the overarching part here is that we've got to walk away from these environments because they're not going to change because their entire framework is corrupt. Their entire framework is destructive, and now they've shown their hand. They've shown their hand consistently, and it's not going to go away. Yes, we should hold all of these individuals accountable, and we're going to, and we should. 
They've broken their oaths. They've broken their contracts. And it's even shown that the entire State Department of Education that exists isn't doing what they're supposed to be doing. I mean, thank God that capital punishment, so to speak, and, and, and beating students isn't law now and isn't, it isn't tolerated. Because if it was, and there are still schools that do it, I might add, in particular private schools in the United States, they still paddle students. This is a thing. But there was probably a time again, back in a long time ago, where, where such actions would be allowed to take place. If that were to come back again, everything that's happened in the past would be erased because the Ohio Department of Education says we have to do it now, and everybody has to do it now. The number of people that would fall in line, pick up a paddle and start paddling students, ladies and gentlemen, you wouldn't even be able to see where the line starts. It would be so far away. Because if they're going to wear a mask, think of what else they'll be willing to do. If they're willing to deprive oxygen from students, think about what else they're willing to do. So with all of that said, stay tuned, hopefully, for a second episode this Wednesday, uh, a discussion with Stacy and Damien. I'm going to give them the floor on the entire issue and bring us some updates as to what's going on in Canada. Uh, I, I love it. I just love it. And like I said early when I mentioned, you know, the Canadian truckers and how it seemed like a, you know, a Woodstock event, they are prepared. They're more prepared than I thought. They've got food. They've got gasoline. They're not going anywhere. And they're going to have to start arresting people. I think that's the next step, but we're going to hear more from Damien on that as well and, and, and see what he knows and see what updates he can provide. So with all that said, ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned for that episode and I'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.